0: I'm going to give you guys what I think the perfect diet would be. That's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about the idea that food is not just a measurement of energy, a.k.a. calories. It's also a load of information for your body. Every single cell in the entire human body is made from the things that you put into it. So, we're going to get into a little bit of the weeds of that. We're going to kind of tie up everything that we talked about this month with some of the fascinating things of when we should be eating. Last week, we talked about how we should be eating. Today, I'm going to even get into a little bit of how you should be cooking and why you should be cooking. So, I'm just going to kind of tie the whole thing in for you guys, right? So, I hope everyone's doing okay. I I know the rain has been kind of throwing me in for a little bit of an energy loop this week, so definitely not used to that. I hate the, the adjustment that my body has to go through every single year that this happens. But that being said still a good day. So, let's jump right into it. So, we talked about in week 1 kind of the when's the fasting protocols and why removing snacks and helping to mitigate blood sugar is such a kind of key component to weight loss and fat loss and just, you know, energy levels and health overall. And we kind of talked about a little bit of some of the details of like how we should be eating on, you know, why eating vegetables first and proteins and fats first. Um, is another great way and kind of a little trick to help mitigate some blood sugar. Obviously, you know, forcing you to get some of the better foods in first. Um, talked about why chewing every single bite is so important. Um, and we even talked about little tips and tricks of like using plates and chopsticks and, you know, different little hacks that you guys can do for weight loss and fat loss. But I want to open up today's conversation with what I think is the most important thing when it comes to sustainability behind your food and your diet and your nutrition plan, right? I think one of the biggest things that I've seen just with clients in general, and I I definitely went through this myself and nowhere near perfect either, is we're very, very disconnected from our food nowadays because so many of us, especially during the pandemic, because we were all you know, ordering through DoorDash and ordering things to go, so we're not even getting the experience of sitting down in a restaurant, right? So you would hope that during a pandemic, you get a lot more people cooking, but it still surprised me how many people were still eating out and ordering to go. So, number one is when you think about sustainability behind your food, there has to be a connection to food, right? And I, and I think where that comes from, just like anything else in life and any other change in life, is we have to look at what, what's the reason that we eat food, right? And I think a lot of us look at food just as this kind of source of fuel and a source of energy and something that a lot of us are just naturally giving into cravings a lot. We have to look at food as a thing of nourishment for the human body, right? Like when we're able to nourish our bodies, we're able to give our body that fuel to function, to have that stable energy, to be able to sleep better, to be able to recover better, to be able to build muscle, be able to burn fat, be able to have that stable energy throughout the day that we're all looking for. That's a huge piece, right? So here's one thing I will tell you guys, and this is something that I learned when I was kind of starting to meal prep myself. I used to meal prep every other Sunday, right? And what I learned about meal prepping on Sundays is I would cook a whole week of food, right? I would cook a bunch of protein, you know, a bunch of rice or potatoes. Obviously, I would try to do vegetables a little bit more day by day. And I realized by the time I got to Wednesday, I was like, "Ugh, I'm over this food. I I'm, I'm tired of eating the same thing. I'm tired of eating like a robot. So one of the things that I've actually switched to from a meal prep standpoint is I've actually learned to kind of just cook like at night for the next day and that obviously that current dinner meal, right? So instead of me cooking, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 meals, I'm only cooking two meals, right? I'll cook a dinner and I use those leftovers as my meal for the next day, right? And when it comes to breakfast, that's generally something that I think probably is one of the easier things to do at home that requires less work and less time. Which is why I like to kind of have dinner or lunch prepped and obviously dinner I cook at home, right? So here's the thing. When you guys go to the grocery store, one of the things that I would encourage everybody is always stay on the perimeter, right? Buy things that are produce like vegetables and fruits, um, obviously all protein, animal protein. So your fish, your pork, your steak, your chicken, your whatever. Because um, all the things that are in the kind of center aisles of the grocery store, those tend to be the packaged foods, Right. And one of the things that I want everyone to kind of think about is the goal is not perfection. The goal is to kinda of hang out in this 80-20 area, right? Meaning that like 80% of the food that you are putting into your body, you're shopping for it yourself. You're cooking for it your, or you're cooking it yourself, you're prepping it for the next day yourself. And you control all the variables from the things that you're actually buying to the way that you're actually cooking it to the ingredients that you're actually cooking with. And you're starting to develop a better relationship with food. A lot of people have a very, very bad relationship with food. And it's kind of weird to hear that when people hear that because they're like, well, what do you mean, relate? I'm not dating my food. Uh, but if you look at food from the mindset of just being this energy source and this fuel source versus this thing of nourishment and this opportunity to be grateful for the things you get to put in your body and understanding that it's information and calories, not just calories, it kind of changes your your perception of how you look for it, Right. So talking about the information versus calorie scenario is I think this was probably the biggest change in events for me personally over the last like three or four years is how I kind of looked at food Um, really, really changed my perception of thinking about food as being information for the human body versus just a caloric need, right? So here's what I mean by that. Every single cell in your body From your brain, to your muscle, to your bones, to your skin, to your digestive tract, to everything. And there's billions and billions and billions of cells in the human body. They're made up. The makeup of these cells is made up by the things that you are putting into your body. So the food that you put into your body, the liquids that you put into your body... Even there's a lot of psychological response and change on this as well too, which is basically the thoughts that go into the human body. Everything that you digest, and this is why it's so important to not just think about nutrition as just a food thing, but it's also an environment thing, right? How much natural sunlight are we getting? How much kind of fresh air? How much grounding are you doing? What are the people and things that you surround yourself with? Because this changes the composition of the human body right? And if we're looking to kind of really focus on optimizing overall health, we need to think about every single variable. The elementary kind of nutrition people and trainers will only tell you that food is a source of energy, it's calories in and it's calories out. And I am not discrediting that because from a weight loss perspective, you are right, it is calories in calories out, but it's understanding how do the calories come out and how do the calories come in? That's a big part of the conversation, right? So Thinking about that, just from kind of that standpoint of that food is information, we then kind of change the perception of the type of food we're putting into the body, right? So I'll give you an example. Let's start from the top here. If we look at things like vegetables, right, and we look at things like fruits, which I hope that you know these fibrous sources of carbohydrates that we're putting into our body are our dominant sources of carbs for the most part. Um, these are where we get all the vitamins and all the minerals. If you even think about how a plant works and how a fruit is grown, They need sun, they need water, and they need nutrients just like we do, right? So it's the same exact, you know, kind of system and process that these kind of plants and fruits and all these things go through. It's the same way the human body works, right? So if I were to take something like why I prefer to naturally try to eat a little bit more organic than I do with just conventional raised fruits or vegetables is when you look at how the industrial area and the kind of farming and cropping and all that stuff is really kind of gone over the last hundred years. We're spraying these things with herbicides, pesticides, germicides, all the sides, right? And what that allows us to do is obviously get rid of some of these bugs and some of these bacteria and some of these things that what people forget that these plants and fruits really actually kind of thrive on in a sense as well. But also understanding that pesticides, if I were to take in like drink some Roundup right now, it will destroy the bacteria in the gut. And your gut is made up by trillions of cells of bacteria, good and bad. But if you're taking a lot of things that have the same exact herbicides, pesticides, and germicides in the foods, and assuming that most people don't even naturally wash their fruits or vegetables, you're taking in that same stuff. So even just starting with that kind of opening kind of statement, there's, yeah, starting with things that are a little bit more organic. When you look at protein, right, there's grass-fed versus pasture-raised. There's wild-caught fish versus farm-raised. Um, you know, there's cage free chicken, poultry, whatever things versus obviously kind of industrial cropped and, you know, all these kind of animals being stuck in kind of a camp. We want our food to not just be what it's eating. You know, food is not what you're taking in. It's also what is your food eating. That's going to be a big thing, right? Like, I always kind of, this is a really weird example, but if, We were cannibals. I would much rather eat a human that's had stress-free life, that had a great life, that, you know, ate good things, that took care of their health. Because that tissue and that thing that I'm taking into my body is just going to be that much more healthy itself. So coming to kind of this protein example now is, yes, you should be trying to focus as much as you can on getting grass-fed on getting cage-free, on getting wild-caught. You know, the fish can get a little dicey sometimes because obviously there's a lot of these microplastics and heavy metals. But at the end of the day, we want our food to be as close to its natural source as possible, right? So when we we eat foods that are as close to its organic state, right, and these foods that lived a naturally happier life, you're getting better nutrients, right? Like I'll give you kind of the steak analogy. If I were to have something like grain-fed, um, steak versus grass-fed steak, you'll actually see more fat on a grain-fed steak, right? You'll actually see that the fat content's higher. The omega-6 content's higher. On the grass-fed, it's a little less fat. You'll even see the coloring of the fat's different. The omega-3 ratio is a little bit better. Um, so you're seeing that even though it's steak and steak, what they ate actually changed the composition of that muscle meat, right? So let that sink in, right? Is what you guys are putting into your body is not just what the food you ate right? It's what the food ate itself, right? So if I'm eating a cow, sure, I'm taking a nutrients from a cow or a steak. But it's also what did that cow eat? Right? Were they eating the bullshit food, the grain fed, the processed corn, soy and all that crap? You know, the things that these farmers were using to kind of fatten up the cows? Or are they living, brazing and grazing and eating grass and doing what a naturally kind of organic cow should be doing? There's a big difference there, right? So there's going to be different levels of nutrients. So, and then when we look at things like fats, right? This has been a big change over the last century as well. Is are we eating saturated fats? Are we eating healthier sources of fats? Are we eating fats that come from the animal, right? Like eating something like a cold water Atlantic salmon is going to be a good source of fat. Eating something like a ribeye is going to be a good source of fat. Um, not things like vegetable oils or canola oil or rapeseed oil or you know peanut oil or all these other things. I always like to kind of ask people this question when you think about this. A lot of these, um, you know, big food, fast food, um, even a lot of restaurants nowadays, they're using unhealthy fatting oils to cook their foods, right? So if you were to think about the process of how do we get oil out of a vegetable, let that sink in, right? Like how do you get oil out of a vegetable? Well, it takes a lot of pressure and it takes a lot of heat, those two things will oxidize the food, right? This is why it's not good to be cooking your food at very, very, very high heat, right? We want to be cooking things at a moderate heat or a lower heat because you're actually ruining You can even have like carcinogens in some of the meats if you're barbecuing all the time. So it's better to be smoking. It's better to have lower heat. Um, but if you think about that with vegetable oil is they're really oxidative. What that basically means is A, the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio, Generally for a human being, just to give you guys kind of a ratio, is we want it to be kind of close to one-on-one, maybe five-to-one, meaning five kind of omega-6 versus one omega-3, but ideally kind of being closer to to one-on-one, two-to-one. Right now, the average American is almost 50-to-one ratio, meaning that they are taking 50 times the amount of omega-6 oils, or omega-6, as they are omega-3. Now, it's not necessarily to say that omega-6 is bad, because uh, omega-6, it is in steak. It is in these foods naturally occurring, Um, But why we're getting so much more than we used to 100 years ago is because a lot of these oils that these foods are cooked in, right? So if you think about that, cooking with something like Kerrygold, if you guys know me, that's that's my jam, or olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, cold pressed, or coconut oil, some of these healthier alternatives that we can use for fattening oils to cook in. Once again, we're controlling the variables and we're controlling these ingredients that we're putting into our body. Right. And that is a huge thing. Right. And then when you think about things like our carbs. Right. Are we eating processed, refined carbs, packaged foods that have all this bullshit in them to kind of keep the shelf life there and keep the longevity of the food there? Or are we eating something that's a little bit closer to its natural source, like a potato or maybe even rice. Right. Um, And then there's little tricks like, you know, for example, the Asian culture does a lot of this is they actually serve their rice at either even cool or even room temperature because that actually helps build the resistance starch in some of these foods, right? So to kind of use all these examples that I'm giving you guys, this is why I deem it as being such an important factor for optimizing your health and your well-being, your fitness, your body composition, whatever your goal might be for yourself, is the number one is focus on cooking more of the food yourself, right? Because then we can control a lot of these ingredients. We can control the foods that we buy. Um, and most importantly, we can control how we're cooking and what temperature they're cooking with and what oils and what foods we're cooking them with, Right? So that's going to be a big thing. So to kind of open up that first statement, like I said, of saying that um, what I deem I think the perfect diet is going to be, number one, I think the most important variable to that is you have to be cooking almost majority of all your food. You know, In the perfect world, I would love it to even be closer to 90, 90-10. You know, I, I, I'm a person that generally likes to preach flexibility. That's where the whole pursuit of balance thing came from. This is why I named the podcast Pursuit of Balance. So I don't think I'm ever going to be 100% zero kind of ratio with anything in life. Like, I think there needs to be some realistic approach to what we're doing. Like, me and my girlfriend, we love going to the brewery and ordering food or going out to dinner on, you know, date night or the weekends or whatever it might be or whatever it is. Like, if I have a team event and we order pizza for a team meeting or anything like that, you know, those things are going to happen. I have a wedding that I'm going to tonight. So naturally, I'm going to eat shittier food than normally would I would cook myself. That's okay. But. Am I doing the other 90, 80, or 70% myself, and am I doing all that work myself? That's going to be a big piece, right? So number one is focus on cooking more of your food, right? And so just to kind of just peel off that conversation more is when you guys go to shop for your own food, you can shop once a week, right? I'm going to give you guys what I've learned over the last, I don't know, I would would say the last three or four years I've really gotten really good at it. Um, I've always kind of been cooking my own food, not probably not as frequent or as much as I am now. Um, but I'm going to try to give you guys what I think is the most sustainable way to do it. Because here's the thing, naturally humans are just, they, they choose the path of least resistance, right? We're naturally inherently, no one likes this word. We're a little bit lazy. That's okay. So let's understand that before we go to actually kind of build structure and build a plan. So, number one thing is when we look at cooking our own foods, we always like to think about getting fresh produce. So, fresh vegetables, fresh you know herbs and spices, fresh fruits, and then we look at proteins, right? And I'm obviously once again, I don't, I don't understand uh, or coach the vegetarian, the vegan diet as well as I do kind of the own diet that I have for myself. So, when I say animal proteins, I'm not disregarding that you can't get proteins from plant sources. I'm just kind of using my own personal example because it's easiest to talk about. Um, but when we look at proteins, we look at, okay, things like steak or pork or poultry like chicken and turkey, um, I love seafood. So fish, shellfish, um, anything like that, those are going to be what we deem our animal source of protein. Um, and like I've said in previous podcasts, naturally we're going to get some reoccurring fats from there. But then the next thing would be kind of what are our sources of fat. So those could be things like that oils that we cook them in. So that could be grass fed butter. That could be extra virgin olive oil, cold pressed. That could be coconut oil. That could be even avocado oil. Um, and those generally, you know, even beef tallow, I'm trying to think of any other ones that are used, ghee, um, obviously, which is just clarified butter. You know, these are going to be the fat sources that we cook with and or top our foods with. And that's generally where we get some good sources of healthy fat. And then the carbs, to be honest with you, I personally, when I'm doing most of my cooking, only stick to two carbs. It's either, potatoes we kind of potato family so that could be sweet potato white potato red potato yellow potato squashes even maybe kind of fall in that and then rice right and i generally like jasmine rice and that's all i do so those are kind of the two main sources of carbs if i'm eating any like a sandwich or pasta or you know things that maybe have those kind of more processed refined carbs of any sort not that they're necessarily bad or good um i'll do that and kind of call that my 20 percent when i eat that at a restaurant so when you shop for your food, I'm going to give you the easiest trick for protein. There is a bunch of different companies out nowadays that do these monthly deliveries of protein, right? So we use a company called ButcherBox in our house, and we've been using it per, for probably three years now. Um, I love ButcherBox. It has been a freaking game changer for cooking at home because it just makes it so much easier so i order a bunch of steaks i get ground beef i get uh ground turkey we get black cod we get wild caught uh salmon we get scallops um we get chicken breast i'm trying to think about missing anything but we i mean we get a lot we get like pretty much everything that we can possibly get from there um the only thing that we probably ever buy protein wise if we get like shrimp or lobster kind of things that are a little bit more of like a special occasion cook because we, we don't do those really that frequently i would say um, the cool thing is I throw everything in the freezer and then every single morning that I leave for work, I take whatever I'm going to cook for that night and I just throw it in the sink, just let it thaw for the day. And then when I get back, that's the protein that I'm cooking. Now, if you're someone that lives by yourself, then you can cook for two or three, right? If you're someone that lives with a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife, or even roommates if you're cooking with, you can cook for a family of four or five. So what I basically am saying here is double the order of what you cook. Right, because if you double what you cook, then the next day you bring all those leftovers. Right, so protein is going to be number one for me. Is something that you guys should probably just get a company that does a monthly delivery because a the pricing is better. B the quality is fantastic because you're removing the middleman. Right, you getting I get grass fed everything. Uh, I get pasture raised. I get cage, uh, the only thing like obviously from grocery stores is like we get eggs um, and then our vegetables and fruits. I get wild caught fish. I get like it's all great stuff too when it comes to the actual quality of what we're getting, which is amazing. Uh, and it just makes life so much easier because every day I come home, I'm like, cool. I know what I'm going to cook. And the only thing I need to cook is going to be the vegetables and the starts of the day. Simple, right? So when we go to the grocery store, I would, I would give my girlfriend more credit than me on this one. She probably does eight or nine out of 10 times. She goes to the grocery store. The only thing we're really shopping for is going to be vegetables, fruits, herbs and spices, maybe, um, obviously eggs, um, wine in our household for sure. Um, that's not something I would necessarily encourage people to have, but whatever. Um, and that's it. Right. So you can either do this at the grocery store. You can do this at the farmer's market on Sunday. I prefer buying things in season as much as possible. I prefer buying things even local if possible. So this is why farmer's market is my probably even a better option for people. Um, you know, whole foods just tends to be kind of what we're used to. And that's kind of why we do that. So either way works for anybody. Um, the cool thing is then you have the vegetables in the house, right? The, at the, at the end of the day, you need to remember your diet is going to be aligned from what you surround yourself with, right? So if your, if your husband eats a certain way or your friends or your coworkers eat a certain way, you're naturally going to be eating more of what they eat. Um, but also think about it on the other side, if you are living by yourself or with your family and you have shittier food in the house, naturally you will eat a little bit more shittier food. So you want to make sure that, you know, following this 80-20 law, that 80% of the time we are in the right environment. We are surrounded by the good foods. We have the good snacks if we are snacking, right? We have just the right things that we're surrounding ourselves with, so we just have that much less of a chance of us going off the deep end and screwing up, right? So that makes it really easy. So now you think about like, okay, cool. I got my vegetables and my fruit from the store or farmer's market. I got my monthly delivery of kind of protein or meats or whatever it is. Um, and then every single night, I'm just going to double the order of what I have that I'm cooking for. So if I'm cooking for – if I have five people in my family, then cook for a family of 10, right? If it's just me and my girlfriend, then I cook for four of us. Um, and I always bring those leftovers the next day and then I make like a quick breakfast in the morning or a smoothie or that's a day maybe that I only do two meals in a day. Simple, Right. Um, that I think so far for me is probably been the most sustainable way to kind of master dieting and nutrition because you control the environment, you control the ingredients, you control how it's cooked. Um, you're eating foods that are just fibrous, that are good sources of protein. And you're topping it some with some healthy fat. And depending on kind of your diet, your training style, or whatever your kind of goals are, you're adding it with some carbs, right? You're adding some rice or potatoes or things like that. Um, and then the last part to kind of just follow up on that carb statement is that here's a little another hack is when you think about fiber, there's insoluble fiber, there's soluble fiber, um, and then there's also a thing called resistant starch. So this is why the Asian culture is so um, so big on this, and this is something that I read about probably a couple years ago that I thought was pretty interesting is that when, when you have rice or potatoes, when you cook them and you actually let them cool – Um, you know, they become like, it's not obviously when it's cooked, it's almost wet, it's got moisture in it. But when you kind of let it dry out, the resistance starts in the food starts to build up. And that's actually good and beneficial for the gut. And like we talked about, we really want to be paying attention to gut health at the end of the day, because that's going to be the thing that's got to be the end all be all for optimal health. So those are even little things that you can do is maybe cook rice for two or three days at a time, put it in the fridge in a big Tupperware, and then you scoop it out when you make your plate for the next day, or you scoop it and put it on your plate for dinner and you reheat it. And yes, you can reheat it. Um, you don't need to make it super, super hot. It's going to help with some of that resistance starch. But then it's like, cool, you have a really, really good, healthy plate. Um, and obviously, there's so many different cooking styles. I'm really talking about today what works for me. It's like there's so many different cultures and there's so many different kind of food choices or preference that every single client and every single person listening to this will have um so finding something that works for you is obviously going to be ideal number one so things that have fiber things that have protein things that have healthy fat and depending on where you're at are we adding carbs to that meal or that day simple right now number two or number three whatever i'm at is then kind of looking a little bit more in the macro right which is then looking at food from more of an aspect of like season by season, how am I eating? And I think this is going to be kind of a really, really big thing for people that no one really thinks about. Everyone likes to think about the day by day or even the week by week, right? Um, In a weekly perspective, something that we see that's pretty popular is someone that, like, you know, if I go out on the weekends and I kind of go off in the deep end because maybe I drink more alcohol or I'm eating shittier food or we're going out to restaurants on the weekend, um, you need to plan accordingly on your Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday, basically your weekdays to make sure that you're not going overboard, right? So I'll give you guys a quick example on the week-by-week example. If I'm at a 500-calorie deficit day-by-day, that means I'm at a 3,500 deficit for that week. Um, Realistically, I should be losing close to a pound, if not more, based off just the numbers and logic there. But if I go out on Saturday and Friday and Sunday and I end up overeating by 1,000 each day or 1,500 each day because I drank a lot more, I was eating shittier foods or highly palatable foods, Then that deficit that you just had is now gone, and guess what? We're back at net zero, and that's where a lot of people get stuck. So yes, you need to think about things more and less of the meal-by-meal, but then it's day, and then it's week, and then it's going to be kind of month, and then it's going to be kind of season and quarter. So that's one thing is if you are a weekend warrior, plan accordingly for your weekdays, right? But then also, this is kind of something I was talking about at the beginning of today's podcast is... When there's weather change, there's also sunlight change, right? And I'm a big believer that we should be eating in according to kind of our geographical location, right? I don't think it makes sense for someone to be having an acai bowl in Sweden, right, or someone to be eating that when they're in Alaska because they're not getting fresh fruits year-round, right? If you're eating something closer to a tropical area, right, if I'm eating in, you know, Florida or Mexico or Central America – then yeah, you can have a lot more fruits because you're getting a lot lot, a lot more sunlight exposure and you're getting a lot more daylight. Um, and these things do affect metabolism and circadian rhythm and they do affect overall energy expenditure. So you need to pay attention to that is where you are also dictates how you eat, right? So if you think about the kind of an Alaska example, like what do a lot of people in Alaska eat is they're eating more cold water fish. They're eating more gamey meat. They're eating things that are closer and connected to the land. And once again, that connects you to the land. So I actually like this kind of cyclical approach to eating. Um, once again, I'm going to talk very specific to where we live here in Northern California Bay Area, is when we get to the winter months, I actually try to eat a little less fruit, um, even a little less carbs almost, right? And that's harder, obviously, because we get into some of the holidays, but that's obviously one or two days a month. Um, hopefully, you're not eating Halloween candy all month or tricky Thanksgiving dinner every day, you know, so forth, right? So the cyclical approach is kind of cool because if you think about it is when you're in the summer months when you're getting more sunlight, so you're getting more daylight exposure, which naturally means you're probably going to be outside more, which naturally means that you're going to be moving more, uh, and you're in season with some of these fruits is you can take in a little bit more carbs, you can take in even a little bit more calories. Um, during those warmer, hotter months. And when you get into the colder winter months, these are the times that maybe I go down to two meals a day. Or these are the times maybe I intermittent fast and my window changes. Because here's the cool thing about that. If you focus on eating when the sun's out, which would be kind of the most ideal way to approach food, in the winter months, we have a lot less sunlight, right? So we're getting more dark time hours than we are in the summertime. Summertime, it might get dark around 8, 830 and as soon as the time changes and we get into the heart of the winter, it's getting dark around 536. So we're losing almost three, four, five, six hours of sunlight a day. So think about that your food also needs to change with that. So, yeah, we're eating a little bit more of these root vegetables or maybe we're eating – or if it's a vegetables period. Um, we're also eating a little more protein and fats. So we're almost a little bit more keto-ish towards these kind of colder winter months, right? And what that allows us to do is it helps mitigate month by month, quarter by quarter, and also we're adjusting for the seasons, right? Because when you're eating a little bit more keto, you're taking less carbs in, which is good if you're expending less energy because I'll give you a really good example. Our attendance in our gym goes down during the colder months, why do you think that is? Well, it's a lot fucking harder to motivate yourself when it's cold outside, when it's raining outside. It's much easier to sit by a fire and sit at home and watch Netflix. And I empathize with that because I had the same exact feeling. I work at a gym, so it's, it's a lot harder for me to make that excuse because I'm obviously already here. Um, but I, I understand it, right? But you need to make sure that like, your diet is adjusting with you, right? So we're we're taking the time and the opportunity to adjust with the ebbs and flows of the seasons and the weather and the food availability. And I think that actually gives you some flexibility with your diet and to make that those kind of changes that much that much easier to adjust with, right? Because personally I'll give you an example. I don't like doing the same training style year by year. Month by month, week by week. Like, I like switching it up. Sometimes I prefer more strength. Sometimes I like this hybrid approach of, you know, doing running two or three times a week with strength training two or three times a week. So I like the training to change too. So it's the same thing in the same way you guys should approach nutrition and diet is allow it to change season by season. But at the end of the day, the one thing that is a commonality is eat things that are at its most whole food organic sources possible, right? Eating foods at the highest quality is going to make your life and your diet and your energy and your health that much better. So that makes it really, really easy and more sustainable, I think, over time, right? So and just to kind of wrap up today's conversation so I don't talk too long is try to really focus on that, right? Focus on food being not just calories, but also information for your body, right? And your body uses this information for different things, like what amino acids from protein do are different than what fatty acids and fat do, right? And what glucose and carbs do, right? So really mitigating and understanding what the goal is. If our goal is to build lean body mass and be as lean as possible, or obviously lean as you want to be, yeah, you need to have enough protein and amino acids coming in, right? When it comes to energy sources, your body has a more sustainable approach to using fats as an energy source. And like we talked about two weeks ago, we want to be fat adapted. So understanding how to control carbs and the kind of carb cycle, not even day by day, but a uh, week by week, but meal by meal or season by season, let the carbs be kind of in fluctuation. When the carbs are higher, the fats are lower. When the fats are higher, the carbs are lower. Um, and you know, when you need to be in times where you have less energy, keep the carbs and the fats maybe a little bit lower overall. So you're just having a little bit less calories. And now you're learning how to kind of adjust. And this overall is what we call intuitive eating. And I think that overall, is the best diet because when you can become more in tuned with your body when you become more connected to your land when you become more connected to your food it's much easier to learn how your body actually uses these fuel sources and how it uses this information from the food that you're taking in but more importantly how to adjust overall right all right guys i'm going to cut it off there so i don't talk too long because that was probably closer to 30 minutes and i generally try to keep them no longer than that um as always if you guys do have any questions shoot me a text shoot me a dm um Next week, I'll probably start changing it up. I know I've done nutrition three or four weeks in a row, so I'll probably go back to maybe some mindset stuff. But, uh, you know, how I work. I'll figure that out, and I'll kind of freestyle it as always. So if you guys listen to this on Friday, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening as always, and take care.